thank you for accepting the invitation. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm excited. Uh, we, we are excited too, um, <laughs> as you have a lot to give us, a lot of specialties and expertise. But before we start the conversation, uh, let me introduce you a little bit. Uh, so Cindy Bartz is a certified yoga instructor and accomplished clarinetist. Cindy began playing the clarinet in 1968 and earned a music degree at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point School of Music in 1983. Her yoga journey started in 2004 to heal her body from a biking accident. After years of practicing yoga and playing the clarinet, Cindy realized yoga not only healed her body, but also made her a stronger clarinet player. Yoga breathing techniques increased her lung capacity and gave her better breath control. Her performance anxiety became less of an issue and her yoga practice helped her as a musician to stay focused. Cindy discovered that specific yoga poses released tension, created better posture, agility, and finger dexterity. Cindy performs frequently at yoga studios as well as assisted living facilities combining lyrical clarinet music with yoga poses to heal the mind, body, and spirit. She's also a member of several music groups within the Tampa Bay area. So again, welcome, Cindy. Thank you. <laughs> um, what we'd like to start a discussion on, um, should we talk about breath, breath control and lung capacity, as we've already talked about in your introduction? Yes, yes. So, and... Um, one of the things that I think that we should talk about first is some of the muscles that are used when we have um, good lung capacity as well as uh, good breath control. And there's um, basically three different types of muscles that are used. Uh, one is the diaphragm that most people know about. And then also there's um, the abdominal muscles, which again, most people know about. And then there's a third set of muscles, which are the intercostal muscles, which some people may not know what those are, or where those are located. Um, but the intercostal muscles, uh, if your rib cage, you know, if this was like your ribs, say, there's um, a muscle that's in between each of those ribs. It's a flat type of muscle. And this muscle is no different than any other muscle. It really needs to be flexible. If it's inflexible, then when you breathe in and out, there's not going to be much give and flexibility in that. So therefore, your lungs really are not expanding to their potential. But if we learn and do some different exercises, especially in the intercostal muscle, then what happens is, 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 is that can expand or the rib cage can expand more. And when that happens, we'll have better lung capacity. Make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so relating to the three types of muscles we are about to talk, um, mentioned you had a bike accident and then you started doing yoga in 2004 and it really greatly expanded your lung capacity as well as muscular um, um, uh, power strength. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that too? Yeah, so um, what, as far as like the intercostal muscles, um, you can actually see if, if your intercostal muscles are flexible or not by doing 
a little test on yourself. And so I actually can demonstrate that. And I'm going to bring my camera down. Very nice. We love so tests and exercises. <laughs> so uh, tests and exercises, probably two things that most people don't like to hear, right? But this <laughs> test doesn't hurt or anything like that. But you can take any type of strap or a, even a tie or a belt or something. And what you can do is you can... Um, bring this around your rib cage right below the breast area here. And then what you're going to do is you're going to exhale and take all the air out of your lungs. And then you're going to inhale. And you're going to do this while you keep the strap fairly taut, not real tight, but taut. So I'm going to demonstrate what, you're, what you should see is you should see the rib cage actually expand out. So if I exhale and then inhale, you see how it expanded. Exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale. So you see that expansion of the rib cage. So that's a good way to for anybody to just see, do I have some flexibility in that in those muscles or not? A lot of times what happens as we age is that we start breathing up here in the upper chest and we're not breathing in the lower uh, lung area. And because of that, and then also, you know, sitting all day and doing things like that, maybe not doing as much movement, what happens is, again, those muscles, those intercostal muscles get very, very tight. And then when you do try to expand them, they don't, they don't work anymore, right? There's not that flexibility. They're very tight and tense. So there are some exercises that you can do. It doesn't matter what age you are, uh, what, um, you know, your physical ability, so to speak. There's a couple of different exercises that are yoga related that I have found that really work well to really help to expand that rib, rib cage so that you can get better uh, lung capacity. So if you want, I can show you a couple. <laughs> Absolutely. Before that, I have two questions. One, sure. um, did you keep uh, the belt tight as you were exhaling and inhaling? So yeah, yeah. So you the tightness? Keep it it's it's basically just keeping it taut. You don't need it like super, super tight or anything. You just want it taut so that when you exhale, you know, it's still taut. And then when you inhale, you can get that nice expansion. And it's really just to see because I, some of the clients that I work with, it seems like especially I would say those that are, I would say above the age of 50. A lot of them, they cannot expand their rib cage. They literally cannot do it because, again, they haven't been doing any movements and they've been breathing up here in their upper, upper chest for so many years that they literally do not have the flexibility anymore. Yes. And I think not just with age, but also with stress and nervousness, it can cause those emotional um, uh, uh, sources can cause similar responses from the body uh, when we freeze uh, down. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of folks, when they're uh, stressed out or tense, what they do is, again, they take a small amount of air in the upper lung capacity, and then they actually hold their breath a lot of times. It's like, you know, if, if a car was coming at you, what's your first instinct? 
instinct, right? Yes. Right? <laughs> that's what we do. So very good point as far as, as that's concerned. The more stress and anxiety we have in our life and the more trauma, the more we're going to be probably breathing in the upper lung and not moving down to the lower part of the lung. Thank you. Uh, the other question relates to the intercostal muscles. Um, you mentioned that this exercise is actually for strengthening or relaxing the intercostal muscles. Do you think, or, or do you, do you, would you say that intercostal muscles are primarily responsible for the expansion of the ribcage? Yes. Yes. And the intercostal muscles, I don't want to get too much into anatomy here, but um, there's actually three parts to the intercostal muscle. When we breathe in, we're actually using the exterior part of the intercostal muscle, which makes sense because it has to expand. So it's the, the external part of that muscle. And then when we uh, exhale, what's happening is we're actually using the internal part of the intercostal muscle. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, so we can go ahead and you can show us the next um, exercise you were. Yeah, so there's two exercises that work really, really well. They kind of look the same, but they feel different and the sensation is different. So okay. one of them, and I, I usually have folks stand up. So I'll move that out of the way and move my camera up as well. Um, and I usually recommend, even if you've done, this is a type of side bend, and I usually recommend even if you've done side bends in the past, it's always good to have a wall or something behind you. Because when you do these, it's really important that your body stay um, straight. So in other words, if you're going to do a side bend, we don't want to be going like this and bringing that shoulder forward. So if you use a wall or something behind you and think of stacking the shoulders, you really want to do that. So here's what we do to start to get more flexibility in those uh, little thin muscles called the intercostal muscles is that first you would want to inhale and stretch up as high as you can on an inhale. And then as you exhale, bend to one side. And bend as much as you can, but keep those shoulders stacked. And then hold for anywhere from three to five breaths. So you get that nice stretch on the side. You're stretching all of those intercostal muscles. And then you would come up and then of course you would wanna do the same thing on the other side. So when you, when you come into that bend, again, making sure that the shoulders are stacked and not bringing the shoulder, the upper shoulder forward. So that's one way to do the side bend. The other way is actually in a chair and it may look the same, but it's actually, again, the sensation and the amount of stretch is different. So if you're sitting, what I usually recommend is bring your left hand to the seat and really ground or press into that left side of your hip, bring the right arm up, stretch up first and you can just see from that how much you're stretching right and then again bend and when you bend think of making a c here so the rib cage is coming out towards the wall again stacking the shoulders 
And then of course you would wanna do the other side as well. So again, you're grounding and say that right hip, keeping that on the, on the uh, chair. Lift up first, stretch, and then bend, keeping those shoulders stacked. Again, with each of those, you probably wanna hold the posture for anywhere from three to five breaths. So these exercises are, well, seem to be very similar. And um, what would you recommend to a general clarinet population? Um, how much time should they do or take doing this exercise? And how long of a time frame to be able to see some positive results? Yeah, so everybody's obviously different as far as like the intensity and how tight those intercostal muscles are. So as far as getting results, it's gonna vary, of course. It's like any type of exercise. As far as like how much you should do it, this type of exercise you can actually do every day. And you might wanna start with doing say three side bends on each side, you know, and alternate. Go right and then go left and then go back to right and left. Don't do three one side and then do three the other side, right? Alternate back and forth to really balance out your body. But I would I would recommend, especially if you don't do much for exercise or stretching in the upper body, especially, I would say just start with three on each side, but do it every day. You might find that after a couple of days, you might actually be a little sore in here. Um, and again, do the test first and just see, you know, how much expansion do you get? You might have quite a bit. Other people, I've worked with some people and like literally, the, it doesn't move at all. They have not learned how to expand that and they don't have the flexibility in those muscles. Absolutely. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so... As you were doing these yoga exercises after 2004, what were some of the, uh, the, the those changes that you personally felt uh, in regard to clarinet playing? So, so one of the things is, is that um, I had not played clarinet for quite a few years. And so when I got back into it, it actually was really, I couldn't believe how easy my, like my lung capacity was there like right away. <laughs> I, you know, usually if you, if you have backed off your playing, even for sometimes a month, right? You go on a nice vacation or something like that and you, and you don't play for a month, you come back and it's like, oh my God, my embouchure, <laughs> you know, it's like for, you know, you could only play like maybe for a couple minutes or whatever and, and you're out of breath and, and maybe your, your muscles around your face and, and maybe even your abdominal muscles, you know, you could really feel it. But I was so surprised that when I got back into my clarinet playing, it just, it came back so fast. Like literally, I would say within two weeks, I could play like for 45 minutes without any problem here as well as like gut and all of that. And I had really good breast support right out of the gate yeah i i found it generally um applicable when we have a good breath support um so upper body uh, support that really takes off any extra work uh from the um uh, from the embouchure and that area neck face embouchure area 
Um, yeah, the other thing is, and um, some people may have heard of this. I don't know if you have or not, but there is such a thing as face yoga. Okay. No, I have not. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and a lot of people, including me, have done their face yoga. It's, it's, it's not really for clarinet players or, or musicians as much as, especially the women and, and you know, like wrinkles and, and things like that, you know, because you want to keep the muscles taut and you're on your face and neck, right? And so a lot of uh, women, especially as they get, you know, a little bit older, they're like, oh, I'm going to do face yoga. But I also think that that has really helped with the whole embouchure thing because you're using all of the muscles around around your, your mouth. So Absolutely. Kind of uh, actually, that face yoga reminded me of a gadget that's out there for quite a while. It's called the embouchure strengthening um, it's a, it's a flexible, um, a springy thing you put between your two corners of your mouth and you have to pull the corners in while, oh, really? while that, while that gadget is trying to expand it. So actually that strengthens all oh, the muscles sure. that we need clarinetist and some other wind players. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> we talked a little bit about intercostal muscles and how they play a role in, 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 in inhalation and exhalation. Um, and we demonstrated some of that uh, contraction and expansion that uh, they are able to do, um, as well as the exercises that will relax those muscles and make it um, more flexible, more expandable, which actually relates and translates to uh, more um, air volume and, and and probably better support as well. Now uh, you mentioned the diaphragm as one of the one of the muscles out of the three types uh, you'd like to talk about. Um, how does that? Uh, what is what is the role of the diaphragm and diaphragm and how does it play um, a, a part in lung capacity and breath control? Yeah, so the diaphragm, if you're not familiar with it, most listeners probably are, but just in case, it is a, a dome-shaped muscle, and it's right below the rib cage, right? And when we exhale, it's, it, it, it's, it's this way, right? And then when we inhale, because the lungs are here, it's going to start, the lungs actually start to push that down. Um, and so what will happen is it will, you know, some people think it goes way down, but it actually is pretty much, it flattens itself, right? And um, how the diaphragm really plays a, a part is that it, it, it really does help with the breath control more, more so than lung capacity. Of course, it has to move down and the more flexible it is, then of course, more lung capacity there as well. Um, we haven't talked yet about uh, fascia or fascia, um, but fascia is uh, this connected tissue that's throughout your body. And I always like to explain it as almost like a netting that's around all of your muscles, that's in your muscles, that's in all of the different organs within the body. And it really helps to keep everything together. If we didn't have that fascia in our body, what would happen is we'd just be kind of a pile of bones and, and tissue and, and, and different things, right? And so the fascia uh, helps to, to, to basically keep everything in place in our bodies. 
And so the diaphragm is no um, exception to that. So there's actually a type of release that we can do because again, diaphragm is a muscle. And a lot of times when, let's say our shoulders, they, you know, you get up in the morning, it's like, oh, my shoulders are tight. Usually that sensation of tightness, we think it's the muscles, it's really the fascia because the fascia is so tight, it's making the muscles tight. So we have to find different ways in order to release the fascia. And, and the diaphragm is no exception to that. And so by releasing the fascia in and on your diaphragm, you can actually also really increase the lung capacity. In fact, again, with my clients, when I do this in classes, because this is a really fun thing to do in a class, um, and we'll release the diaphragm and people are like, oh, I can breathe better, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and then of course, also, um, because everything is connected, um, you know, if we're, if we're tight, if the fascia is tight up here in our neck, it all goes down the arms, it goes into the hands and the fingers. And so we may not have the dexterity that we would like to have. And some of that is actually because of that fascia being so tight around our neck and shoulders. And so again, there's many, many different exercises that you can do um, to release, um, including releasing the fascia um, in and on your diaphragm. That is um, a very interesting thing and looking forward to the exercise. Before we do the exercise, um, uh, let me just make um, an observation and you can correct me. Uh, so if fa a fascia can be tight, just, uh, just like muscles, then um, um, we can say that fascia is a sensory organ as well with nerve endings and 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 uh, and the stimuli as well as a response capabilities from the brain um, that connects pretty much organs. Yeah, the whole the whole our whole muscle tendons sinews all connected with this connective tissue. So yeah. what and would happen? Definitely, the stimulation, the nervous system, all of that is in, is affected by fascia. That is, uh, it's really good to know. And you mentioned that uh, fascia holds together our body um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a formal web. Um, what would happen if it took out fascia and let's say we put it on, on a floor? What would you see? <laughs> what would happen? I have no Not idea. Not to our body, but the fascia as a, um, as a connective tissue. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, you can go out and you can find a lot of information um, about it. Um, you can see it with the with the naked eye, you know, like, you know, dabber. Um, you, you can see that. Um, and, and also, um, you can you can see it in the meats that we eat. You know, it's it's that kind of gooey kind of sticky stuff is kind of transparent. That's the fascia um that that absolutely. is throughout our body absolutely so yeah if uh, fascia is in connection with the uh, muscles as well as the diaphragm you mentioned uh, let's see what is that exercise that we can use to release fascia <laughs> yeah so i have a couple a couple to show you one 
I love doing this one for like hand and finger um, release so that you get better dexterity in your, in your hands because you might not even realize that you're a little tight um, and, and tense in the hands. So this one actually is because of tension usually in the neck and maybe in the, in the um, upper, upper uh, shoulder area. Just gonna put my hair up here so that maybe you can kind of see a little bit better. But um, so this exercise, and when I do this one in classes, people are like amazed <laughs> at how they don't even. You, sometimes you don't even feel like your neck and shoulders are tight. But then after you get done doing the exercise, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so much better. I I can like move my neck, right? So. The first thing we do is, again, a little measurement just to see what's going on. The first part of this exercise, we're not trying to change anything or fix anything. All we're doing is seeing where we're at as far as the tension is concerned. And then we're going to do the exercise, and then we'll, we'll test or measure again to see what the difference is. Absolutely. So here's, here's what you do. You sit. And you want to sit nice and tall. You don't want to be, you know, erect or anything, but you want to sit nice and tall and keep your chin parallel to the floor and then turn your head over to the right and just hold it there. And what we're noticing or become aware of what's going on on the left side. So we're not work, worried or concerned right now about the right side at all. It's all about the left side. So you know, just take a little bit of time to become aware of what's going on on the left side. If you feel any tension, you may not, that's fine, whether it is or not, you're not, again, not trying to fix anything. Also, notice where the chin is in relationship to the shoulder when you're here and, and try to go as far as possible with, you know, we don't want to injure ourselves, but just until you can't go any farther with the with the chin coming over towards the shoulder. And then we'll come back to center. And again, that was just a measurement. So here's what we do to release the fascia. We're gonna release the fascia on the left side. So we take our right thumb and you're gonna put it right in the webbing between the thumb and the first finger, that webbing there. And make some circles and you're just going to massage that area. Try to keep the left hand nice and relaxed when you do that. And you can do this for maybe really only takes five, 10 seconds. You don't need to do it for very long. That's the first part. And then the second part, you take your left hand and take the fingers and place them behind the ear at the upper ear. And again, make these little circles and do a little bit of massaging all the way down towards the earlobe and again do that from three five times and i know this sounds like crazy when i first learned this i'm like what in the world does this have to do with the, you know the fascia but you'll see it's almost like a magic trick for some people well, it's because very similar to acupuncture when similar maybe when uh, there's some differences so once you've done points. that yeah, once you've done it a few times, sit again fairly tall, just like you did before, chin parallel to the floor, and then turn your head again to the right. 
and just see what is there any difference is maybe it feels a little bit more open maybe your neck feels a little loose notice where your chin is compared to your shoulder most people can turn their head a lot farther the second time than they could the first time I don't know did you feel any difference I did actually um, I felt I could turn more in angle as well as I felt the little tension that I created as I first time turned my head over I had to relax my shoulder left shoulder area because I felt I was I was making it happen as well ah uh, yeah and you didn't really have to force it the second no, time no no it was a yeah. lot more relaxed yeah yeah and then of course you want to do it on the other side as well so you know i would take a measurement first just to see where it is and then you would do the same thing you would want to do that massaging in between the first and the thumb and and then you know do it around the ear absolutely and do your measurement again create a very um, simple and easy exercise yeah and you know this isn't just for clarinetists right i mean there are so many musicians that get tense in their shoulders you think of string players you know with the violin you think of flute players yeah. you know piano players i mean it, it it's really good for a lot of different types of musicians not just clarinet players absolutely absolutely yeah and then there's the fascia release for the diaphragm <laughs> this one <laughs> it's best if you do it lying down on a flat surface so if you can get on the floor and and lie on your back that's the best it's hard to demonstrate that <laughs> so I'm gonna demonstrate it sitting up okay. and it somewhat works when you're sitting up but again if you lie on your back especially on the floor if you can't get down on the floor you could do it like in a bed i wouldn't recommend like a lazy boy chair or a couch or something like that it's too soft you want something that's fairly firm so yeah. that you can lie on your back and be comfortable okay. um but and again i'll move my camera down a little bit so that you can see what i'm doing so this is a release uh, and again your diaphragm it sits kind of underneath the rib cage and so what we do is you want to find where the the bottom ribs meet you want to start there and you're going to use your fingertips and what you're going to do is you you're you're going to try and get underneath the rib cage so this is my ribs right in my the lower rib and i'm actually pressing in from the rib cage and i want to exhale completely and then very slowly inhale as you keep pressing. So inhale. Now, as you inhale, if you feel any pain or discomfort, you wanna slowly exhale. Keep pressing. It's, it's, it, I would say it's, it's kind of a medium press, right? We don't wanna be too aggressive, but you don't wanna you know, be kind of slacking either. Yeah. But you exhale again and then inhale. And you do this until you can inhale all the way and not have any discomfort. Then you know, because if you've got any discomfort when you're doing this, it's because the, the fascia around and in the diaphragm is tight. That's what's causing the discomfort. And then once you don't feel any discomfort, work yourself down just a little bit more. And again, get right underneath my rib is right here. So I'm underneath that. I exhale. 
and then inhale. Nice and slow. And if there's any discomfort, you want to just exhale again and keep pressing and then inhale. And again, just do it until you can take a nice full breath in with no discomfort. And then just keep working yourself all the way down. When I'm lying on the floor, I actually sometimes lie on my, on my side so that I can get way up underneath that last part of the rib cage. And then once you have one side done, then you'll want to do the other side. So, that is, um... uh, and that, again, you can do it every day. Usually I do it two or three times a week. And I usually do it right before I play my clarinet. Okay. You're um, not going to probably feel any different when you get done um, doing that, you know, movement and that, I don't know if you even really call it an exercise, but I, I will tell you for myself, as well as a lot of my students, I do this a lot at the beginning of a yoga class, because in yoga, a lot of it is about the breath. Right. And so why wait until the middle or the end of the class? Do this at the beginning of the class. And then everybody is like, oh, my gosh, I can like breathe so much better because you've got more flexibility again in your diaphragm. Yeah, um, actually, I have the exercise I have known that was very similar to this. You don't have to breathe in and out, but you are kind of massaging the side. Uh, muscles of well, yeah, the small, tiny little muscles around the perim perimeter of the diaphragm. Um, same way, um, you go underneath the rib cage and just push it in with your fingers a little bit, just to move those muscles mechanically. Uh, but uh, I didn't know that actually released the fascia uh, right there at the diaphragm. Um, so I will definitely uh, try out this exercise. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like if you go to a massage therapist, there's a type of massage called myofascia, right? Myofascia uh, release. And that's what they're doing is they start usually here or at your feet and they work all the way up your body and they release so much of the, the fascia that's tight in your body. That is great. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned that... Um... In yoga classes, you use this exercise often. Uh, what else is uh, um, yoga good for or some of those exercises? Because it's not only about movements and poses, but, you know, includes the various breath, breath techniques. And um, some of the breath techniques or, or exercises you mentioned uh, increase lung capacity, just such as this, um, uh, the uh, facial releasing exercise. Uh, what are some of the other principles you can tie from the yoga to breath and breath control and lung capacity yeah so a lot of people i think especially in the united states when you think of you know it's like i do yoga <laughs> so what do you think of you think of all these you know postures that people do right and that is a, a portion of it but also there's a huge huge element um there's actually eight limbs in yoga one of them is the posture, which we call the asana, the posture, the pose. 
But more so than that, there's other limbs as well. And one of the other limbs is the breath work. And you can actually go to yoga classes. There are yoga studios. And for like 45 minutes, you'll just do breath work. You'll sit. A lot of times you, you won't stand. You won't a lot of times even lie down. You'll just sit and you do all of these different breath connect breath techniques. So there's literally hundreds of different breath techniques that yogis use, and they've used these for thousands of years um, to control what's going on as far as breath control and different types of energies in the body um, that are stimulated. Um, but I can, sh I can surely demonstrate a couple. Um, they, they go from very simple, easy type exercises to some of these. It takes many, many, sometimes years to learn the technique of doing these. But um, one of them is, is actually um, what, I, what is usually referred to as a four-part breath. And for this, there's three parts to the inhalation. And then the exhalation is really the fourth part. And there's a lot of, a, a lot of ways that you can do a four-part breath. But what works really well, and again, this I, I would actually consider this going into an intermediate type breath work because there are some people that are not aware. If you're going to breathe in, say, a third in the, the lower part of your lungs, so the first part of that inhalation starts here in the lower part, and then the second part of that breath is kind of in the middle here, and then the third part of the breath is, is the upper. And some people, even if you don't have a lot of body awareness, especially in the upper body, this can be really difficult. It's like, what do you mean one third, two thirds, three thirds? And so it, it, there is a little bit of a knack to it. And so when you start doing this, don't get discouraged or disappointed. It's like, oh, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Just keep working at it because it will eventually come. It, there's just this little bit of body awareness that you need. But basically what you do is you always exhale first. So you get all the air out of your lungs. And then you're going to start at the lower part. And you would inhale a third. So inhale. And then think of expanding that middle part of the rib cage as you inhale a second time, second part. So that's the the middle part. And then the third part of that is you're inhaling at the very top, right? So you'll feel your chest move a little bit. You do use your pectoral muscles here when you're breathing. And so that's the three parts. Inhale one third, two thirds, full deep breath in. And then when you exhale, and there's a lot of different ways, I like to purse my lips. And then exhale. Now as a musician, could take that one step farther you could use your embouchure right yeah. <laughs> when you do that yeah but it's important when you do the four-part breath with this technique that when you exhale go as slow as you can so you've taken this huge breath in and now with control you're going to exhale as slow as you can and once you get the knack of this what I like to tell my clients is, is count. Count how long it takes you to exhale completely, right? Usually, most people, when they start out, I would say the average is about maybe 
a count of 18, maybe 20. So, you know, it's just regular, you know, second, right? So 18 to 20 seconds. But doing this over and over, and again, you can, you can practice this. I would recommend just practice it for five minutes every day. I bet you in a matter of two weeks, you will be amazed, you know, count, see how many counts you get on that exhalation. I bet you in two weeks, if you did it every day, you're going to, you're going to see a huge difference. Usually when I do it, I can do 60 seconds. That's quite long. The whole minute. Yeah. So I have two questions regarding the exercise. When we inhale and we section up the inhalation into three different phases, do we complete one phase and then go to the second or somehow they are blended in. So we, we do the first one and then the second one and then the third one. So do we have, a there's little a little part? bit of, usually there's a little bit of a break. So the way that it looks and sounds is going to be, and then, right. You exhale completely. And then again, Right. So did, I could, I don't know if you could hear it or not. Yes. How it, it's like breathe, hold, breathe, hold, breathe, hold. And then exhale as slow as you can. Absolutely. And when we um, inhaled, um, do you hold the breath in before you start exhaling? Breath. There are some techniques where you hold at the top of the inhalation. With this one, you usually don't. Okay. Okay. So this is, as I understand, it really uh, teaches the mind to use the full capacity of the lungs and expansion, right? Mm-hmm. It does that. I think it's a really good exercise for a lot of reasons. Um, number one, there's the body awareness that comes with it. Because like I said, there are some people that at first they're like, I don't get how can you separate off bottom, middle, upper of the lung? They, they don't have that body awareness. And so if you're at that point, again, don't get discouraged. Just keep working at it because it will come. It'll come with that body awareness. So that's one thing. And as musicians, we all need body awareness, whether it's in our lungs or our fingers or, you know, our, our body awareness. We need that, right, to play our instruments. Um, and then also because the exhalation is so slow, the other thing that it really does is it starts to, to really control the breath. Right. And I think, too, especially wind players that have been playing a while, they probably have pretty good breath control. But even as as a seasoned um, or accomplished musician, there's room for growth there. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you. Um, definitely. If something is at a constant rate. Um, it always sounds better. The tone quality is better. Uh, the control, the rate of control is, from the individual is, is absolutely better than something that has amplitude change in, in exhalation. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe um, another exercise could be the diaphragm strengthening exercise. Yeah, so there's a, Let's talk another... About it a little bit. Yeah, so there's another um, breath, and, and I usually call it the diaphragm or diaphragmic uh, breath or diaphragm stre strengthening breath that you can do. 
Um, and basically, you're going to inhale. And then when you exhale, uh, and I usually tell folks, put your hand on your, on your stomach here, on your belly. Because when you exhale, I actually want you to press out as you're exhaling, which is kind of different. Because a lot of people, when they exhale, they're bringing their belly in, right? And this is just the opposite. You breathe in, and yes, your belly will expand a little bit. But then as you exhale, keep pressing out as you exhale. And again, what that's doing is it's, it's strengthening the diaphragm. It's also strengthening the other abdominal muscles as well. Okay. And when you breathe out, again, breathe out as slow as you can and keep pushing, pushing out, not necessarily bringing the stomach back in. I think that's a... Um, there might be a couple of different philosophies on that. I know there are some wind uh, players that they think that you should press in, and it works for them. Um, for me, I've always always found it works better to actually keep the stomach out and press against it. So my and this question... is actually phase one. There's there's two other phases to this type of breath work that are more advanced. But where we start is with this in that pressing out as we exhale. Okay. Okay. Um, I have one question. Um, what is the rational, lo logical approach to still keeping out the belly muscle, the abdominal muscle, while the long internal volume is decreasing? Bringing up the diaphragm, as well as bringing in the rib cage, as well as um, making some um, like a, 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 a well, not modification, but changing uh, the formation of the bowels since the diaphragm is releasing up. So, how can we still do that and um, keep up, um, keep the abdominal muscle out as we are exhaling? I don't really know if I understand your question. <laughs> so I'll say it again. <laughs> so asking a question again, um, as the lung capacity decreases, how do we still hold out things for better control? How, how do we do that, that we hold out things as the lung capacity pretty much collapses? Yeah, so, so at some point it does have to come back in to take your next breath, right? So you're exhaling, exhaling, you're pushing out, you're pushing out, and then you're at the end of the, you don't have like any more air, and you take that other, that next breath in, it just all collapses and then it goes back up. And, you know, as fast as you can breathe, your next breath in is going to, you know, collapse it and then go right back to pushing, pushing, pushing out. Okay. So yeah, we pretty much delay um, the collapse of the abdominal muscles, as you say. Yeah, and as you're pressing out, you're obviously using all of your abdominal muscles, right, when you're doing that. Even some people, it's, it's down into their pelvic floor or the lower abdominal area. You can really kind of, you know, really, you know, I, I, I equated to, I tell people, if I was going to punch you in the stomach, what would you do? You would, you know, tighten up, right? You would brace yourself. And that's kind of the same type of sensation that we want with that exhalation. Absolutely. Um, 
how many times would you repeat? Uh, so the diaphragm strengthening phase one exercise that you talked about, what would be the repeat time? And um... I would just, again, start out with maybe three, maybe five. And both of these types of breath work work really well as part of your warm up, right? Get your lungs going, get your breath going before you even, you know, put the instrument up to your mouth. So final words, I would say, if you haven't tried yoga or maybe you even have tried yoga in the past, I would encourage you to, to give it a try. There's so many different styles of yoga. And I think um, some folks think that they can't do yoga because they're not flexible enough, which don't worry about that. Maybe start with like a restorative class because that one will help with your breath and it will help you to relax. Absolutely. And it's great for per performance anxiety as well as stress or nervousness. Yes. Thank you very much, um, Cindy. Uh, we had a pleasure to have you here for today's uh, episode. And um, um, in this episode, we talked about yoga techniques for uh, better breath control. So uh, thank you for your expertise. You're welcome. Um, Cindy's website is uh, cindybarts.com. And um, if you're interested in learning more about yoga techniques for musicians, she's offering a free webinar on Wednesday, November 8th um, at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can sign up on her website or using uh, the link below the posting of this uh, video. Thank you, Cindy, again. All right. Thank you for having me.